0: Welcome to another episode of uh, of Moped Outlaws. Man,
1: this was
0: I'm flummoxed and flabbergasted. This was a deep dive. Like, you do not know AI like you think you know AI, people. Get ready.
1: Well, yeah. And so this is part one of a two-part series. So next week will be part two. And we're with Mar- Mark's brother, Adam, went. And Adam is definitely uh, um, a man who is thinking and has done a lot of deep diving into what is AI. From a very practical experience, um, you know, hardware, coding, and then from this sort of social viewpoint, uh, social eye, what would you Yeah, call so it? don't
0: get it twisted. This is not a just another podcast about AI. This is actually, we start out getting to know a little bit about Adam's history, who he is, what led him to have the kinds of interests he has. Um, and then we get into a conversation that takes us into a whole new awareness of what's going on there. Um, and remember, click the subscribe button. Go to our website, MopedAppleLots.com, and please uh, click on the merch page and buy some merch to support us. And we thank our sponsors, AdrenaComb Cola.
1: Yeah, you definitely want a bottle of AdrenaComb for this one.
0: Oh, yeah. Two outlaws on the lam, taking the back roads through America. You
2: can't
0: drink enough
1: coffee for this show. Ah, ah, ah. And now it's time for Monday Madness with the Moped Outlaws, Greg and Mark. And we're live with another episode of Moped Outlaws. And this episode, we have a very special guest. We have family in the building, Adam went. Mark's brother is joining us all the way from Arizona. No, Massachusetts. Mass. Oh, that's way out there. That's a whole nother world. Do you have a Boston accent?
2: Uh, I don't believe so. I can pock the con, have All right. All right.
1: (laughs) And, uh, are you, I just forgot the name of the damn series that Dungeons and Dragons was a prominent part of. Um, oh, uh, Stranger Things!
2: Stranger Things recently, yeah. that oh, Stranger Things was pretty good, interesting.
1: Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. What'd you think of the ending?
2: Um, was that the end?
1: Love it. I hear was it. Was that the end? <laughs> well,
2: nowadays, there, nowadays there's there's no there's you know we're we're here we're hearing we're hearing talk of a a third OA series so. You know, all bets are off on what's done and what's not. Oa, yeah. Did you ever see the Oa? I don't know what Oa oh, is. That
1: was that girl Netflix. who. Yeah, the, the
2: they did the dance.
1: Yeah, that was good. Really, another one of those. How are they going to do that? All right, all right. Yeah, well, you're right.
2: the the end of the second series was uh, pretty interesting. So,
1: yeah. God, I forgot how that ends. I just remember that was so wild. I, did you, did I can't you ever, spoil
2: it because Dad's watching the second series right now. Again, okay, so I don't want to anyone to overhear me.
1: All right, and since we can't cracking, hear you
0: anyway, I
1: know. <laughs> and now we're cracking on old dads. <laughs> All right, which I happen to be. Um, since we're in this realm of interesting science fiction shows, did you ever see Tales from the Loop?
2: Um I watched a couple episodes for me it was it was just too kind of like dark for like i don't know it was it was it didn't feel like useful in in, in any way it was like eh the metaphors were just i wasn't feeling it at the time
1: okay all right, all right. so um my understanding is that you are going to help mark and i look under the skirt of ai
2: well that, that that's a that's a pretty good a good description of what i'm capable of if we if we ask the right questions so
0: so let's before we we'll, get we'll there see
2: where, we'll see where we we'll see where we end up
0: before we get there let's talk a little bit about um, your young life and <laughs> you know w- you know where did you grow where were you like the little boy and and grew up and what kind of schools did you go to
2: ah uh, well woods in new hampshire southern new hampshire uh went to waldorf school and then sixth fifth grade family ran out of money <laughs> <laughs> no no more deals to be made uh, All ended, the up, ended up you know, in the street, on the street, in public school, you know, that was, uh, I, I, I follow some interesting discussions on Twitter. And one people, one thing people were talking about was how the first time the rug gets pulled from you as a kid is like that initial, like, oh, this is how this works. And so for me, that was probably one of the real big ones, right? Was like, oh, I'm going along Waldorf school. Sorry, public school.
1: (laughs) Do you think that the economics of the situation played a part in your view of the world now? Like knowing that your parents ran out of money and that's why you're kicked to the public school?
2: Oh, I mean, sure. That makes me aware of the struggles people have, you know, raising their kids and Giving a good education and good environments for them to grow up in. Like it's a, it's a struggle.
1: I have a question because my eldest daughter has a very similar tract with her education like you. She was in Waldorf school and flipped to um, public school. Then there was some homeschooling. And <clears throat> my experience with her is that the Waldorf system tends to meet the public system as far as the hardcore academics of mathematics and reading writing around 8th grade so if you follow the course of waldorf all the way through you're actually probably ahead of a lot of public oh system. yeah
2: oh yeah and for me it was more the it was it was more the cultural shift right
1: right to
2: to, sc- to school <laughs> to schoolyard antics right Right. Of but a different a different quality, right? Was, was was the oh was was the kind of you know cult like important foundational of like oh shit I'm I'm a kid but also this shit gets real and I can get totally screwed yeah. <laughs> by just the reality of, of, of your experience. Like, you know, some you have to move, like you know, s- situations change and so like it, it definitely helped me be like I said, uh empathetic to other people's you know experiences trying to raise kids and stuff.
1: So um, I know from Mark and your sister Dora, might remember Doran. Doran, Doran yeah. that your spiritual outlook of life, a lot of that comes from the father.
2: Um, I would say the intellectual side of it, obviously um for me and my younger sister, Brie, our mom was spiritual in a way that a mother who's not intellectual about what she's doing but is actually you know feeling and trying to like you know love kids like she was amazing at that you know she has her own problems and whatever you know i I forgive her for all the sh shit that I had to deal with growing up with her. Right. You know, but, but no, she was, she was also very, you know, spiritual in in that way as being a loving mother.
0: And this is a good spot to sort of recognize that Adam and I are actually half brothers. We don't, we share the same father, but have a different mother. And so our life experience um, reflects that. And um, I think that what you just said about forgiveness is something that everybody is invited to as part of their karma. We all reach a point where there's this idea that, oh, mothers and fathers aren't monoliths. They aren't like these, they're magic beings in a way, but they aren't like f- these flawless deities. And yeah. so the the process of arriving at the place beyond our regrets and resentments about how we were parented is a the first step into maturity and awareness of, uh, you know, of, of what's really going on. Yeah.
1: All right. Are we ready? Do you want, is there any more with, um, the- well, I want to
0: get into how being in that environment and then moving through into adulthood created the kind of vivid exploration of the things that you love. Like you have a broad spectrum of interests, right? Yeah. And, how did you arrive at you know the path you're on now what after you left the 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 nest so to speak <laughs> what what was behind that and what led you to becoming the person you are today
2: mm. in in some respect it was just my you know goth period right like this these, these again the schoolyard antics these these fuckers in at school i don't want anything to do with them right so it was just like a reaction to that i wanted i sorry i'm not interested right um and where that led me was in some ways more into myself right because again the computer isn't there's nothing there's no other human on the computer except when you find them on the internet, right? So there's like this, there's this going into computers and finding other people that are dealing with similar things where they're uninterested in the shit that's going on around them. Right. You know, I still had a couple friends here or there, you know, family members that, you know, I cared about or whatever, but overall the social thing was like, I'm not interested. So I met people online and, and, and that was kind of, I would say like a big step for, you know, where I am now.
1: So what was the first online community where you really found you're a part of a community that you were on? Cause I'm thinking, is, are we talking late nineties?
2: Yeah. Um, so like
1: AOL was a big, yeah, yeah, it was, it was a
2: AOL instant messenger, but mostly it was like, for me, it was IRC chat rooms, internet chat rooms. Um, <clears throat> Are you
1: familiar to, with the well?
2: Well, no. For me, it was just like there's there's teens. There's actual like other people like me that are experiencing this, their own version of I'm not happy with the people around me. So, I, I again, the idea is here that like I socialize in a different way than, than, than other people do maybe, right?
1: Right. Let me – ask you this, cause, and the reason I'm asking is I'm working on a play that this is kind of the running theme. Because what you bring up, did you, in this early, late, you know, in the late 90s, did you run across other teens where, like, Kill Them All was part of their thing? Uh, you know, like the Combine?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, So I think it was pretty clear to most of us that none of us were that it that it was that it was playful imagination for all of us right like fuck those guys take take guns to them like we said it to express something that so we didn't have to go do it right so whatever you know actual like mental troubles you know those boys had and other people similar have You know, I know it comes from a thing where it's blowing off steam in that in a in a young teenager for me, like it was just like, you know, and and I think my friends felt the same way about it. It was just like we can imagine to the day, you know, but it's like we don't do it. And I had some friends that did like spend a little more time down down there, um, but I think most of the people that I was in connection with who had people to talk to, it was blowing off steam, right? So again, it's about like, do you have someone who you're able to do that with?
0: And how did you evolve in that context? Like you found your people in the Silicon world and you were able to then source your inspiration and your curiosity and and what did you choose from life as a result?
2: I, I don't know. Like, what, what what specifically are you asking, right? You know, like, be more direct with, with that type of question.
0: <laughs> How did being involved in the data transmission network's emergence at the turn of the century create a playground for you? And what inspired you to go deeper into it?
2: Uh, okay, okay. So, yeah. So, being someone who is actively using a computer and having to do it to be social, like, you just – you you pick up things right you you learn to use the tools you learn to deal with all the bullshit when it stops working you got to fix it cuz you want to talk to your friends right um so it's way less obviously like it's, for me it's developed way less fear related to the unknown of technology right cuz i look at this thing and conceptually in my mind i can hold a stable image of like what it is and what it's doing A lot of the times there are times when there are computer bugs and weird electrical glitches and weird, mysterious, magical things happen. Right. When you're trying to do something and you're working on a project and this thing that never has a problem has a problem, right? That's part of the reality, but it's less fearful and less triggering, but it's not, doesn't go away. Right. Like those types of things where it is like, this emotional thing, you're trying to get something done, right? Those can still trigger me. Like, I don't, I'm not immune to the technological gremlins, you know, being a source of frustration for me, but it does give me more awareness about, like, navigating that stuff because I just did so much of it.
0: And so it was like a combination of you or social life, but also play, right? You you were into gaming for a while. yeah and then creativity is also part of that right and my guess is that the creativity piece is both in terms of
2: well that brings being... us back to science fiction
0: <laughs> perfect right are we talking neil stevenson here or what what well, do you mean
2: whatever right yeah neil neil stevenson william gibson you know and 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 for me like the spiritual side of people like orson scott card right is like it's all tied together in my imaginative concept of technology because i experience the good and the bad of the tool that we're some we seem to be you know cursed to have to deal with this thing right
1: is it a curse
2: Oh, it's both, right? It's a blessing and a curse. It's a tool. Okay. We're and enthralled. It, it just gets it gets. Well, that is a part of what the, I would say, what the the kind of global consciousness is, is, has an enthrallment over with technology, right? Um, it's about it's yeah because the problem isn't the problem isn't the technology. The problem is the cultural conception of it, right? The <clears throat> the larger picture that everyone agrees on, you know, like we w- – there's not a lot of like platonic, like phenomenological study of my experience with this thing. It's like everyone's telling you what it is and how it works. And so there's not a lot of like self – people reflecting on their own usage of this thing. And you know, for me, that's that's a maybe something more recently that I'm doing more self-reflection with it. But it's also something that I have a deep awareness of, like what technically it is and what technically it isn't, that allows me to see the difference. That I know that this thing is because I spent a long time experiencing it and working out for myself what is happening in front of me phenomenologically versus the. Global conception of technology being something that is told to people: this is what it is.
0: So, does that involve taking apart machines and reconfiguring them, and do, getting
2: into mode and, and and hack? You know, everything you know the the hacker mindset.
1: All right. So, are we on the precipice of an explosion, technically? Technically, with the change from binary to uh, as I understand it, a try. Mary. You're
0: talking about um, quantum computing.
2: Yeah, right? I would say that that nothing is really like happening fundamentally at the the physical level. The 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 kind of like chips we have now we're pretty far off from like changing the architecture of how we relate the electrical stuff to the, the conceptual um, of like numbers within computers. Like it's we're, we're, yeah, there's no going like zero one two as like a base system. That's not going to do anything. Quantum computing itself is, Science fiction, as far as I'm concerned, there's no re- there's no there, there yet, and it's far off. wait, um,
1: wait just to go back to the hardware. Sure. Yeah. My understanding is there are chips now on the planet that have the neutral. So it used to be a chip was either zero or one.
2: Right. So research, like that is, that is, a, that is a field of research, but replacing the current global infrastructure, with something different that does something different at the hardware level is impossible because the layers of abstraction that we as humans have built on top of that can't be changed like quickly.
1: Okay. Now here's a, everyone's talking about the way AI became so commonplace like it was released was it publicly mid last year
2: no it was the first commercial public release in a big way was way last year but that's the thing you got to remember is is this is a product that has had hundreds of millions of dollars if not billions put into it over 10 15 years you know 5 10 years right because they're they're always building something that is Right, what this can be, and they're always trying to look for here's a product to make with it. But here, this was the first big one that we got that was like a company released, right? Well,
1: here's what I noticed once it went public, yeah, it was less than a year where everybody was saying, like, yeah, it's AI driven, you know, Photoshop came out with AI. Um, yeah. Mike you know, everything.
2: <laughs> and, and 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 AI there is a buzzword. It doesn't mean absolutely anything. It's not even connected to reality. I mean, well, obviously it's not connected to reality, but like it's – there's not even a thing that came out that is what people are referencing when they say AI right now because all it was was a product. And now the word is big again. That that's you can what throw I'm... it on anything that's related or not.
1: Right, that's what I'm wondering. It's like if I'm selling yeah. my water gluten free, and it's like you know, because gluten free is a <laughs> touch phrase.
2: Yeah, the, the 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 word is big now, so it's being used where sometimes it's not big because there's like a pushback on it. Okay. Right. right. So there will be inevitable a, a a pushback on the use of the phrase, but that doesn't change the the machine that is going behind the scenes that just changes how much of us it they show us.
1: So has Adobe honestly adapted the technology of artificial? Yeah. They have the, 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 the what the,
2: the thing that, the thing that really happened that allowed them to release the big product has other consequences as well. So, yes, a lot of the big corporations that are using the term are using it to mean something that relates to, but it's not the same thing as conceptually the product that they're putting at the top for everyone to ooh and ah at, right?
0: So can you parse some of the distinctions of this naming? We branded this computing concept. And then there's this AGI or, you know, general, uh, uh, right? And so can you kind of parse out some of these definitions and where you think the fallacy of these products is as a result? Well, I
2: I think think it's more important to focus on what you guys understand or don't, right? Because, yeah, ask me a direct question about a specific thing, and I'll see what I can do, right?
1: Okay. So my understanding with AI is ultimately we're attempting to program consciousness into computer technology
2: i don't think anyone's actually trying to do that and what i'm what i mean is that the people who really understand what it is that they're doing know that it's not conscious and can't be no um, i think what. what they're trying to do is create a uh, create a perception in other people that they can make consciousness into a technological product, right? You know, it's about what they want you to think that they're capable of doing or trying to do versus what they're actually trying to do. And I think yeah. that most people who are trying to do this stuff know that, it, there's, that it's, it's entirely a, a, a magic trick and an illusion, and they're not really creating anything useful out of it.
1: So your besides
2: belief, industry.
1: Right. Your belief from your experience is that programming will always be linear in the sense of it's never going to break the box of the programming it's in.
2: Uh yeah, of course like there will be whatever here. I'll, I'll I'll go mystical on you just in terms of things, right? Like there can be weird electrical spirits that are manifest out of programs. I kind of imagine that's like possible, but like that's that phenomenon. Like that doesn't require some massive corporation to build, you know, this this billions of dollar product, right? To manifest something interesting out of the electrical signals going on in a computer. You and I can sit down and write code and have fun in an afternoon making the computer do something silly, right? Like that's an experience versus this this god of ai that can tell you every you know like what is that like science fiction it's just science fiction right it is our experience of this thing that we're like we've (laughs) got to deal with this conception in our minds now right all
1: right so i think the three of us are in agreement that our physical there's more to the universe than our physical realm than the 3d realm have you personally experienced in your programming and hacking et cetera? Do you have an experience where you were like, this is not of this physical realm? Something just happened. That is. Oh,
2: well, yes, because it happens if you're having real experiences, right? If you're making moves in your life and the computer is going to glitch out, right? Like that's an actual spiritual experience you or I can have on any day that we're like working hard on something and getting close to like, you know, like finishing some project, right? Like that's a spiritual experience. The other type of like searching deep down in the dark web for, no, there's humans there. There's, there's cool people and that write stuff. Like those are spiritual experiences, right? There's amazing shit on the internet, but it's all about the relationship of people.
0: Like what I notice is as a coach in the zoom environment, is that there is a point at which the the level of intensity of the emotional content that gets generated as people contemplate the nature of their existence and the, the challenges they face, there are consistent moments when Zoom fucking breaks in the face of the intensity of the spiritual inquiry, like all the coaches I know have, have, this as a thing. We don't know the name of it. Right. But it's like ghost in the machine. Kind of,
2: no, I mean, we're, you're generating an electrical field. You are oh. an electrical antenna, right? We are, our, our bodies and our spirit, you know, there's the, the visual field is not like the, Electrical field that is existing In this reality, right? There's all these physics That control our The visual parts of us into these Bodies that we see In each other, but there's A field, right? So you're near a computer Like your field's going to be doing shit With it.
0: So doesn't that sort of Negate the argument that Greg was making That there's something that's outside The realm of the phenomenological World? Like doesn't The
1: phenomenological world include spiritual I wasn't saying the phenomenon I was saying our 3D physical world yeah okay
2: the illusion two. right I, I, use, I use the term the illusion for it just kind of like because it's a reflection of something real but it's also like the, a reflection that can be manipulated to show you something that isn't real as well if you get attached to the physical 3D part you're experiencing right so it's an illusion
0: See, my definition includes that framework, so that my 3D w- world includes electrical yeah. beings and the phenomenological events that occur.
2: That well, it's 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 our exp- it's our experience being in re- in some type of relation to them, but whether that is happening in the 3D world, there may be beings that are closer attached to. The location, and there may ones that be are more closer attached to an idea. So you've got non-physical stuff happening closer to the physical and closer to the ideal realm, the spiritual realm, right? And so the distant, the, the ideas of 3D break down when you go from one end of the spectrum to the other.
0: Got it. But there's an intersection, like we're yeah, all swimming sure. in it together. Yeah, yeah. And and that means that silicon-based logic computers are subject to the laws of that universe,
2: right? Which is why they can be glitched in those times, right? Yeah. Whether they're they're the they're, you know we're not saying they're the they're the cause of it, right? But there is our ability to be spiritual beings we by nature probably disrupt the hardware and make it hard for ourselves to try to do something physical attached to the electrical grid versus us just being the spiritual being, right? So we, you know, there, it doesn't even have to be that like the, the computer is, you know, out to get you on your project. It can just be like, yeah, you're going to deal with this type of shit because you're generating a signal that's going to be having interactions with electrical signals that can, cause magical stuff. You know, you and I are we're all having this conversation and all of that is happening through the technology and yet we aren't yet disrupting it. So I guess we're not really, you know, oh we're we're just we're just you know we're we're just too tied to the physical right now. We're not really messing things up enough. <laughs> we haven't
1: destroyed
0: we haven't disturbed the fabric of the space time continuum. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well let's destroy it right now. <laughs> so I have this thought that the
0: under the skirt of AI is kind of like the Schrodinger's cat problem or like what Luke gets told by Yoda when he goes in the cave. What's in there? Only what you take with you. So it's our projection of what AI does that actually breathes life into that illusion. Would you agree?
2: Well, our projection of the concept of AI is something other than just Electrical signals that are generating source some type of phenomenon is something that we create in our imagination or we get put on us by social constructs. So it's on us to maintain our own imaginative creative idea of what the conception – what the phenomenon is versus what is put on us by some social agreement that is – Put a, sent down from on high by billion-dollar companies that are putting out million-dollar, you know, billion-dollar products, right?
0: So human beings that don't have the ability to hold in their mind's eye that there's a physical object that's using a series of transistors and binary coding language, evoking these responses, they are more susceptible to being caught up in the magic or the illusion or the story that there's an artificial so I, would, I would say this,
2: I would say this it, they're more likely to be caught up in that story until they're given a better one probably
1: right. right so what about someone like Elon Musk who has a story of we can integrate technology with the human brain and neurosystem and create something that's bigger than both
2: well, it's going to be something that is a mix. Uh, it's going to be something that is still attached to the phenomenon we just talked about, where if you spiritually have some spiritual experiences, all the shit breaks down. So anyone who's in that reality is probably either going to kill themselves by having a real experience and trying to break out of the box, or they're just going to be, they're going to fall into the, the series of transistors, right? Okay.
1: Isn't there a, what if it doesn't break down?
2: Well, we just talked about the experience we have with zoom calls, right? That's right. the reality oh. of an experience.
1: Right. It, it, and, and that isn't a hundred percent real. It happens, but it. I've personally had very electrical experiences oh, yeah. over Zoom. But you, you can't have
2: you 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 can't have all your spiritual experiences not cause problems with technology. I think is the thing that I'm kind of assuming is probably true. Okay, so, so this <laughs> is Adam's law. Is I don't know. I'm just, I'm just I'm I'm just thinking, right? Like no,
1: right, right, right. Like that right, right, that's,
2: that's that's a. That's a To say that, like, you know, we're going to be able to live in something where we're we're strapped in even into VR goggles or into, you know, having some kind of chip. And it's not going to be that the only path we're able to take is one that doesn't disrupt the technology.
1: Do you think this knee jerk element of humanity that pushes back against something regardless, you know, there's the people who believe the Earth is flat, there's. You know, we could get into politics. Everything seems to have a logical pushback on it.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's good, right? Like that's part of the the power of like the the human kind of condition is like we push back on a lot of stuff. Right. So it's not
1: like an inherent fail safe to our human evolution as all this stuff is starting to accelerate.
2: No, because I think the pushback is always there, but it's never addressed. Right, we go further and further down the path of people set, bringing up warning signs. Right, you know, like is is every person who's ever said that technology isn't going to lead to some real fucked up shit wrong? A lot, like everyone who's ever been smart and said that this is leading us to a place we don't want to be. Oh, they're all—they just all happen to be wrong, right? Like. <laughs>
1: well it's possible because again if we look historically with science you know when the first person was saying hey i don't think the earth is the center of this system i think it's actually that sun and they were ostracized by yeah and so so
2: then it becomes it be it becomes rhetoric right to say oh i'm being ostracized because the thing i want to change People are just people are just you know afraid of it, right? So, so my my idea is I'm not afraid of AI in any way, right? But it's still bullshit that we shouldn't ever accept in our like in our phones ringing, right?
1: <laughs> That's all right. Mine interrupted me a short time ago.
2: <laughs> no, but it, but but there's there's the technology grid reacting to me saying something, which is just because. I'm saying it's really fucked up and bad. I'm not afraid of it at all i'm I'm just saying we shouldn't accept it within ourselves as the conception that people are putting on us. We have to maintain our own
1: okay, so what wait a sec, say that again, what you just said about maintaining our own versus
2: we, yeah the, we're there we're being fed a conception of AI this term we we're, we're we're being programmed to have an idea of this term and what it means. And so we have to reject that and create our own. That's based on a phenomenological study so, of what we observe.
1: So it seems like there is now here. I'm getting what I hear you saying is there's an element. There is a reality to the yes. technology of AI and, and, 90 percent of the population has no concept of that reality yeah what they're getting is mass media definitions of what it is and that becomes their understanding of it
2: yeah there's a a a hundred billion dollar marketing team which is trying to create a global perception of what these products are, right?
1: What's the merit? So they can harvest our souls. Well, that's what I'm wondering. But, it, what, but the, the,
2: like, that's the point is the human doesn't, the, 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 the stupid human that, that drives these things isn't thinking that. That's what, but I'm that's what it's doing to us spiritually by accepting it, right? You know?
1: <laughs> okay. What is the spiritual fallout in accepting this very surface level understanding of AI?
2: the, it's the same with it's the sp- same with any type of technology right you get constantly triggered by it and it rules your life and being bounced around from one technological trigger to another for me like for me breaking out of that for myself is still something i'm working on but people are falling into it all the time with social media and tiktok and they're they're regulating their emotions through this electrical grid in their phone, and it becomes this blanket, and right. So it, we're integrating it into our our holistic conception of our of ourselves and our self care.
1: How does what you've created, or you're a part of, the reimagined mind? How do the conversations within that platform? Um, alchemize that negative aspect that you're communicating right now?
2: I mean, yeah. So so the spiritual community I'm part of uh, is called Reimagine the Mind. Um, and we're a spiritual community like any other. You know, we care about communicating with each other and, you know, sharing vulnerability in safe places and helping each other learn and grow on this experience in life, right? And so... I don't really speak for for them when I talk about AI because I'm coming from my own phenomenological study, right? Um, But it is about kind of creating an imaginative distance between yourself and technology. It's not you, right? Maintaining that just because my phone is something that can trigger me doesn't mean that it has to be within my conception of who and what I am. Right. I, I mean, and, that, and, and I'm kind of throwing that off the cuff, but that's like a general idea of like how we try to approach technology is it's not us. Right. But we we're fall the you know, humanity is falling into this thing where we're becoming more and more reliant on it
0: we forget okay. more and more who we really are at a deeper level as yeah. as the process of um capturing our imagination unfolds and,
2: and it happens back- directly with attention right like it's it's it, it, it we we it, our attention gets directed and then we're our imaginative powers are directed towards whatever the technological trigger was right <laughs>
0: But There's a lot of gravity wells in there. And so this calls back to the Waldorf education piece because one of the objects of the Waldorf education piece is to allow children enough space uh, to be free of influence from screens and things that capture their attention and like that. So that the internal spiritual faculty of imagination, which is I magic nation. <laughs> into the world, right? And so that creative process. Right, you is guys just essential- destroyed
1: Waldorf. What the hell was that? I'm Magic Nation. <laughs>
0: That's what it I is. I find the humor. But my my point still stands, which is that the more that we allow our children and ourselves to have an organic development of our biological capacity to create to think,
2: and also and yeah, think. To think and process and imagine things. Yeah.
0: The more connected we are to another stream of possibilities that is unguided and uncorraled and unmitigated. By other people and their um essentially capitalist domination of our consciousness,
1: right, but okay, but here's the thing as soon as you say that capitalist domination thing, I think you subvert the aspect that all of this came from someone's imagination it Tech, I'm not but, subverting but, it.
2: i don't have to, I don't have to accept their imagination of it
0: <laughs> but but the, the digital triggers corral us. And we, we are willing. We, we allow ourselves to be corralled. But the, the measurements that show dopamine response and the various brain chemicals that get released as a result of our addiction to these devices are a clear indication that our will forces, the eye is not being properly developed at a high enough level.
2: It's being funneled into these ideas. And you see it with it's, the it's, whole it's idea of path. It's it's choose choose your own adventure somewhat, but but it's pre written, right? Like we get to now people now get to choose from a menu of life options instead of living their life.
0: And in a pick your path book, it'd be great if you for some crazy thing after going to page fifty two and then back to one twelve and then seventy eight, you land on. 212 as a blank page. And now you have to write one, right? So that's the thing. Like, what is it you would write yourself?
1: Well, so I am believing that the three of us and Adam, obviously I've just met you 42 minutes ago, 45 <laughs> to be exact. Anyway, um, But it seems like the three of us hold that we are ultimate, res- ultimately responsible okay. for our life. And we began this conversation talking about the choice of forgiveness. And my, I guess my, like, cornerstone of existence is everyone is responsible for their life, whether they say so or not. And that's my hope of life not just human life all life is it you can't you cannot subvert nature it's gonna happen
0: I don't hear a question
1: yeah I didn't hear what either <laughs> <laughs> I guess like because we're talking about um, triggers and there is a lot of data supporting how social media really has subverted individual creativity and And people
2: people people's conception of themselves and how they relate to others is now directed by an algorithm right because if you create a if you create a tiktok account it shows you all the most popular things that people's attention the quickest and most subconsciously, and you only get to pick from those things before the algorithm starts giving you any other, uh, like, cultural (laughs) data, right? So you end up with all this uses to like put you in a particular box and then gives you just the cultural stuff that like kind of matches you because it puts you with those people that agree with you just enough that you feel like pushed and kind of like challenged a little bit but but you know it's still safe these people they're not going to hurt you they're not going to like trigger you right and so like the algorithm corrals us into these like social media networks of people that are challenges our ideas just enough to feel good but don't really challenge our conception of ourselves
1: all right so i'm gonna ask you a practical thing you have a is twitter still called twitter even though it's x
2: it's called x now i i call it twitter all
1: right so uh, the elon Musk code. (laughs) i like it it's Um, x twitter
2: yeah it's x twitter my x twitter
1: (laughs) The
2: the, the social network formerly known as Twitter.
1: So, Adam, with what you just spoke about of algorithms kind of containing your box, what have you found that's practical practice on the platform of Twitter that (laughs) disengages that aspect of the technology?
2: Oh, okay. So for me, uh, my pinned tweet is something like, Sorry to my followers this account is no longer for you it's for me. Yeah. Um I don't I'm not using it to actually talk to other people most of the time what I'm using it to is like take a take an input of a social network like Twitter and and organize my thoughts in relation to some of the stuff that comes in so when I make a post I'm basically just like adding a thought that that was raised to me. So it's like a it's like a note taking. It's like a social note taking app where someone might respond to the note that you relate that you put on their thing.
1: So it's Um, like a public journal for you. Like it's in some ways. Yeah, but it's, it's
2: a public journal for me to relate to what I'm seeing people talk about in the public.
1: Right. Right.
2: Right. And I'm kind of like reflecting ideas back and bouncing, you know, ping pong. Right. Like I'm, I'm, but it's mostly from, I'm not really like trying to talk to anyone specifically. Maybe I'll put it in the terms that the person who I'm responding to is there for, but it's not, I don't feel like there's any connection with those people. Right. Right. Because I'm not, I'm not you talking to a bunch of like friends that I've like, Whatever. So it's just kind of this this ping pong of ideas and and I'm using it more of just like yeah, like a a note-taking thing on on like, oh I'm there's some interesting ideas here, but like this is how I kind of like flip it, right?
0: I want to ask a question about what you think the impact of Astro, the leader of RTM, has had on your understanding of these problems.
2: Um I mean, I was just at a, at a at a rough place where I was feeling all the tension in my life of going, going, getting pushed in certain directions and accepting certain paths. And so, like when I was having, you know, my whatever you want to call spiritual midlife crisis, that was you know me wanting to be more self direct for myself. You know, he was there and he had all the answers I needed to go within and not focus on. What's all the bullshit, right? So it was, you know, he was a, a, he is, and yes, he is a very good spiritual teacher because he's now like, I'm trying to be more expressive in, in my own conception that I can reflect out. So I took in a lot of information from, from him and now I'm learning how to express my own experience to other people, um, after being much more reflective to what it is that i'm observing in reality versus getting bounced around by everyone else's this is what this is and this is how you should relate to this thing and it's still a process you know we're all recovering from the traumas of our childhood you know
1: <laughs> one thing my son who's very interested in ai and he i think well anyway he's very interested in ai right now and he's in the academics of it one of his dreams is to create a true artificial intelligence that could in essence get all the knowledge of the universe and then come back and say here is your path
0: didn't they already do that in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy
1: pretty sure it's 42 right well what i got from hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy is all you needs a towel
2: yes yes but I got various pals. Yeah. (laughs) So, but
1: but
0: that's Jonah, right? Like speaking more to his aspiration, there's a benevolent. I
2: I can't add something to that, really, from my own experience. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Which is that I think there's some value in a child's spiritual conception of a good AI and it's on us to question what that truth is and figure it out right because any type of like knee jerk reaction which i'm not having here by saying this is bullshit and we don't, shouldn't accept it right i'm not having a knee jerk reaction what i'm having is a a measured reaction to an over of a, a too much of something right and the question is, what is the thing within the human spirit that can read a science fiction book that has an AI character and see value in that idea, right? And what is it that we do creatively to imagine a, a program having… Consciousness or like being able to think or being able to process mass amounts of data because we're living in a reality where we can't help but be inundated with that conception.
1: Okay, so here, you know what I just thought of is um, C3PO is in essence, that's A.I., That was a conscious.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was it it was George Lucas using that language in his storytelling. What is that? We have to ask, what does that mean? Right. How do we relate to it?
1: So but one piece I remember being blown away about is when C-3PO was taken apart and when he was reassembled. He was back. His consciousness was back. Like he recognized his friends and was like, that's so cool. Like he was dead and he came back to life.
2: Yeah. The simulation of an assistant and the, the construction of a virtual assistant, uh, a translator, uh, you know, there there that, that is a, a conception that is being, that is being built right now. Right. Like, all these products are trying to create a conception of something that is serving humans. The
0: thing about that is if your intention or your, let's say, your malformation of consciousness is about serving something that we would consider toxic or bad for humanity, then we're going to have devices that can enable that.
1: Is it Philip K, Philip K. Dick that came up with the three rules of artificial intelligence? No, it was or, Isaac, or, Asimov. Isaac Asimov. Asimov. Isaac Asimov. Yeah. Okay. Are those? Called- Wait. State we,
2: them first before we ask about them. Well, what no, no. Them? I want. I want. I want to, before we even get there, but remember, what we're doing is we we shifted here in a conversation. What we shifted in. Is into us trying to collectively create a conception and t- and 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 I'll analyze it from that point. And mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, I'm not willing to enter into that conversation until we talk about what it really is and what it really isn't, right? Because I don't want to go into thinking about you know the 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 possibilities of good AI and what bad AI is and Whatever, until we really, as people, question in ourselves what it is for us to imagine that there is something on the other side of it when there isn't.
1: Okay, wait. So it is it. It yeah, I, I, I. I, I, a thing. Is so a good
2: what? Word. What is
1: it? What, it, what is wh-
2: what is this thing that we observe? Like mm-hmm. again, this comes back to phenomenology. Like we have to observe the thing and ask ourselves, what are we observing?
1: So part of what I hear you're, in your statement is acknowledging that there is a building, is it in Arizona, I think where, I keep going to Arizona in this <laughs> episode, <laughs> um, where, where Microsoft Chat GPT has banks of hardware.
2: Well, there's, and, there's buildings all okay. over the world everyone who's got money and is a tech person is building these warehouses of video cards we don't
1: we don't
2: we don't see the actual thing that people are doing we we get we get the product that they've spent years carefully honing and slightly adjusting until it's just right and it looks and works exactly like they want so but, do you th- but all over the world, people are making things, and you all have right. no idea what they're making
1: so keep- keeping with chat Gpt yeah, that was released publicly, and wasn't it two versions Get you know there's four you,
2: you there, there, yeah there were two no, versions but- that were op- open that people could actually access right and they uh, were some re- form of them um and they yeah. Open AI is not open at all but the industry is open in a particular sort of way
1: here's what I'm my question like wasn't it that they released the public version and within three months it bounced two more versions right
2: whatever public. their marketing reason for picking version changing version numbers right you can't you can't put like a meaning on um, a marketing decision like that where someone changes a number. Like it doesn't mean anything that Uh, they just decided to change the number, right? So So they wanted to change a number.
1: (laughs) Here's my belief. So you can uh, uh, correct me because I right now am under the belief that when they released it publicly, then it was like a floodgate of data and um, user interface suddenly came flooding in. And it quickly excelled the technology where they went, okay, we're changing this. Here's version three. Oh, okay.
2: uh, I, I think it was, it, it was, it wasn't about processing all this new data. It was, we have some data of how people interact with it. Yes. So think about that. They put out something public. They get people using it they do get feedback from that yes that is true like you can't really say uh, how much this data and they did this thing and but yes they got feedback and they changed it right so yes the the the, the people who build uh, built a product were like okay this is how people are interacting with it we want to change it so yes that totally happened
1: <laughs> but you're saying there's also a marketing aspect to it that needs to be considered as we grow our knowledge of what ai is yeah
2: because we're only shown what yeah, is marketable and 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 they're only building see this product is only the thing that they can release to us that won't make us afraid think about it that way
0: Right because the part of it that might make us afraid they have to keep hidden.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> and what part of it what would make us afraid and us being the global us, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, we're talking global us. We're not talking about me, you and you know, people who are critically, you know, observing what what is happening. No, the the afraidness would be will come when you have a human a story that hits the news of a human that got some information from an AI and did something with it, but they're trying mm. to, they're trying to keep that from happening as long as possible so they can get as much money and build as much they can do and, and get people using this thing before there's like some kind of hysteria. Right. But there, there can, that's one type of hysteria, but the truth is if you've, lift the skirt and you look and you're like okay this is actually something interesting there's the the product i uh, we, we we need to have this talk the next time which is the actual thing underneath the skirt which i'm haven't even gotten to talk to really because it is the actual technology and how it they build this thing and how they change it and how they control it so that it gives them the th- the product that will not scare people. Is wait, the real let secret. it talk, Greg? No, right. oh,
0: come on. So so, what is it? What is that product, Greg? No, what is that? Wait, wait. no, no. But it's, that's
2: the point is that it is understanding the technology layers. I have we have to talk tech
1: right for an so, hour or two. Okay, (laughs) so so we're not gonna we're gonna do a part two on the hardware aspects and the programming software.
2: It's because it's all conceptual. Okay, I will I will preview.
1: Okay.
2: The the human programmer is using their imagination and creativity to build a conceptual logical, reasonable system that the electrical signals are supposed to do. So it all exists within the mind of the per- the people who are creating it, and then there's the you know the unconscious part of the people in mind that are creating it, right? But the experience of writing software and building a system, it it comes from the metaphysical, right? But then it comes to all the actual. Structures that the human mind creates, right? Because we get to choose the abstractions. We get to choose the language that code uses. So when I, as a programmer, am writing code, first, what I'm doing is choosing the language and abstractions that I'm using to internally imagine what I'm building. And in that process is where the thing comes, right? The the phenomenology we're able to use by sitting down at a computer and clicking a mouse and doing things comes from a human or humans choosing their layers of abstraction. And now and building something with not only, you know, like in, in the physical world, we're stuck with you know the types of building materials we have, but in the software world, you're able to imagine your own materials and invent tools. And so there's this whole imaginative landscape that we have built as a society that is the software stack that allows this thing to be a product that shows up on your screen. So that's where like the – it's not really about the hardware because the hardware – we can we will have that start at, at discussion at the beginning because the hardware is obviously doing something. It's crunching numbers and there's physical limitations and we can talk about like the science of that. But then all of the interesting part is the conceptual layers that happen on top.
0: Right. Because as Jung would say, there's like the monster or not Jung, but Freud, there's the id, right? And so there's this creation of a reflection of that. That's an unintended consequence that the programmer creates right along with thing that they create. Right. Would you agree with that, Adam?
2: Uh, You you did cut out, so I missed like one of the last words. So So, since the human
0: being is evoking this mechanical response and imbuing this idea of what a consciousness would look like in the machine phenomena, along with that comes the unintended consequences of the subconscious id inside that human as well. And so both go in, even though one is more conscious and one is not.
2: Oh sure, you're always making decisions and trade offs, and whether you know what which, which path you choose as a programmer to write code this way versus this way, and the the actual language and abstraction layers you build relate to who you are internally, right? Yeah. So yes, there's there are spiritual programmers and and, and less spiritual programmers, and we can get into that what what that means.
1: So I'm wondering at the depth of AI. Because I know on the surface of our technology, like with graphic arts, there was a time, especially like late 90s, early 2000, where if you were a real graphic artist, you were on a Mac because PC was not linear. I mean, was too linear. Like there was that big debate, you know?
2: Oh, there, it's, it's yeah, it's about the human – it's about the interface, right? So right. that's what we're, we're entering, a new age where the discussion – where the thing that's happening is that people are being moved from one type of interface to another a user interaction right a user experience right the, there's a desi- the the people who are building these products design user experiences and and, and work with the language of user interaction and right. so we're getting a, a transition from the normal computer paradigms and the phone paradigms to one that is now more closely attached to language. And that's going to really, you know, have some interesting consequences, I think.
1: I, I, I need to come close to wrapping up because I have a meeting I need to go to. Yeah,
0: let me let me just ask one quick question and then we'll ask okay. our usual. No, final no, because
1: I have a question, too. And we got time to so go ahead, <laughs> okay. I just, so go ahead I, Greg. All right. I'm wondering if in your research and diving in, Adam, mm-hmm. which I'm believing has a lot of depth and time and experience in it. Yeah. Okay. Now, as you were talking just a little bit ago, I was thinking about here in the Bay Area with driverless cars. And um <clears throat> they're out there. And what I think about is one, there's the technology involved, the computers, the cameras, etc., the car itself, that so it can happen. There's the company, which needs to make a profit so that it can happen. And there's the public perception. So recently, a car um, hit someone accidentally, and it when you look at it, they jumped in front of the car, in essence. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. But the response was, okay, we're cutting the cars by 50%. There was an extreme action that took- Yeah, because oh. why
2: did we have so many cars in the first place, right? No, I, again, it's, it's a natural response to something that's overdone- but not that the thing is actually at fault in that particular case, right? So, so you know, so it is. It is like there, there's like a people are are uneasy with it and haven't really been given a choice. So, this and is so when I'm, something happens, they're like, "I didn't want this."
1: Right now, if we move that over to the AI silo, yeah, is your understanding of what's going on that all those mechanicisms of thought and commerce and politics. Are currently in place with AI. There are people thinking about the potential public backlash should X happen, and they're right. ready so for th- it.
2: This, this this is a this is a good question, and I can't get too deep into it because I want to I want to give a an concise answer. Um, when we get into how it works. It will be established that there there was a surprise to the people who are building this stuff. There was a moment when they got something and are now having to deal with the consequences of that thing. So, yes, they're putting as much energy into the public perception as they can control. But there are also unintended consequences of the thing that is that is there.
0: Got it. So this is a little bit of a left turn, and it it sort of calls back in the Steiner stream, the the Waldorf stream. Uh, One of the things our dad did was he decided that there was this uh, incarnation of a being that the Steiner class calls the Aramanic being, and he named that as a human. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to know if you think that Araman could be the big AI network, all the physical, electrical stuff. Yes or no?
2: Um, There's probably a consistent worldview where that's a way to relate to it. Um, And I think that it would probably be a valuable one for some people if they don't want to be involved in trying to understand and and use something like this. Like a ludite perspective of like, you know what, I don't really want to try to like interact with this in, you know, make sense. Like I spiritually are like, yeah, that's, that's a dead end for me. I don't want to go there. Right. And that's a, a good decision people could make if they wanted to. Right. And I don't think there's a, there's a downside to that. But you know, we're you know, I kind of have to use a computer and, and search the internet, and <laughs> you know, Got I'm it. gonna have to I'm gonna have to interact with something that's interesting. But it's so also we, about my conception of it, right? It's about our conception of it. So it is as I'm interacting with something that is a reflection of me. I have to figure out how I relate to it, and so like that's where I'm coming from this process
0: got it well we're definitely going to pause it here people should should anticipate a part two I'm so thrilled that you could come here and ha- begin this discussion with us and I'm grateful that you will come back and continue the discussion and as part of our practice of this podcast we ask one universal question at the end and so it's really important to us and we take the answer really seriously so got just it. take a deep breath <laughs> M&M or Foo Fighters?
2: Uh, M&M. Do you want to say why? Well, because I listened to it more, but also because I think M&M had more culturally to say.
0: Got it. Thank you so much. If people want to learn more about your work, what's the best way for them to access you online or digitally or if you want to give out your phone number or not?
2: Um, (laughs) I guess the only thing I have available right now is really is my Twitter. And like I said, it's not for people to read unless they want to like try to understand what the hell is going on in my mind, which probably doesn't really help anyone. (laughs)
0: Do you Uh, respond to DMs on Twitter? Oh yeah, you
2: know, hey, hey, you 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 message me on Twitter, I will respond because you know. So what's your Twitter handle? It's at the LSDJ. T H E L S D J.
1: Yeah, we'll link to it too on our. Um, post. well, I'm personally looking forward to part two. Like I would love to book part two as soon as possible because I feel like I just lifted this metal corner of something and cracked it open and this light came out and you went, well, that's another conversation. I'm like, oh, sh-.
2: yeah. I mean, I'm going to have my own podcast or something, you know, uh, I, I'm not committing to anything, but I would <laughs> like to have a forum where like on some kind of like twitch stream like like live we talk about this as we actually build an ai and and Damn. and and make the decisions collectively as a group you know me and whoever is you know hanging out in the chat like how do we build a our own imagination of what this thing is as not being a thing and then you know we we create um, an imagination of what the thing is and then interact with that. I don't know, you know, but it's like, it's a, it's an experiment that I think would be an interesting thing to do to actually go through the process of what people, what the, what is being done behind the scenes, which we will get more into the details of. Right.
1: Yeah. I love that idea of building AI in a public forum too, where everyone can interact with the process as it's happening.
0: Thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today. I'm really grateful, and I'm looking forward to the next chance that we get to, to be together.
2: Yeah, it was a great time. Have a good rest of your day, guys. You too. Recording stopped.